Hey everyone, welcome back to the Where If You Take You podcast. We are very excited to be here for a race week episode with Erin, uh, who's racing Coeur d'Alene. But before we do that, I think there's been a, maybe a few of you that are maybe new to the podcast. And if you are, just want to introduce ourselves. I'm Kayla Bowker. I am a professional triathlete, mom of two little boys, coach at Where If You Take You, and... Yeah, that's probably about all I can really say myself. And then we have my co-host here, Aaron Oliphant, who is a kick-ass triathlete who uh, is racing Coeur d'Alene here this weekend. She's also a coach at Where Your Feet Take You. She's a swim, was a swim coach for a really long time. Awesome amateur athlete. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of awesomeness in Aaron, so we could go <laughs> on and on about that. But we are here to answer your questions, um, go over triathlon, all things life, triathlon, coaching, and whatever kind of content it is that we feel like bringing to you at this uh, wonderful time. Most of the times we just kind of ramble on about how much we love the sport and try to share that passion with you guys. You can send us questions at www.whereyourfeettakeyou.com slash podcast. We'd love to get your questions. It's kind of how we ensure that we get bring you guys content um, that you want to hear from us. If you missed our last episode, it was a really great one about nutrition. A lot of you guys send us in questions in regards to uh, race day nutrition. And so that is a really great one. Erin went over her, race, her nutrition plan for Coeur d'Alene. We talked about the difference between fructose and glucose and just kind of why we think that fueling your body during training and racing is so important. So go ahead and check that one out. If you guys have a minute, we'd love if you could leave us a review or share us on your social media platforms as it gets the word out about uh, the podcast and, yeah, helps us out a little bit. So, all right, enough about all that. We've covered all the, the dirty work. And Erin, how's it going? Race week. Yay. It is race week. Uh, super excited to be racing again. Yeah, it's been a good week. Uh, I like my new job a lot. I kind of feel like everything has worked out the way that it's supposed to. Um, went to college um, thinking I wanted to be an athletic director, then couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do out of college, whether I wanted to pursue a master's in sports administration or go to law school found ASU, did a program, like a combined type of thing. That was just a year and a half. Um, after my master's kind of figured out I wanted to coach. So started swim coaching at ASU. Was like, I don't think I actually <laughs> fell in love with triathlon and wanted to do triathlon coaching. But I didn't love the idea of being on deck six days a week, 52 weeks a year, doing the swim coaching thing. Um, but absolutely love triathlon coaching, but still needed a job to supplement that in the meantime until get enough clients to really do that full time and pay for health insurance and stuff. Um, but found this job in event management and I absolutely love it. And it still combines my passion for endurance sports and I can triathlon coach with it. And I'm just That's loving awesome. triathlon and I'm in love and like, it just seems so like many good things, so many good things right now. So I'm doing pretty good. That's awesome. It's one of those where, you know, sometimes <clears throat> my husband and I both say this a lot, like there is a path for us, whether we love it at the moment, it always seems like it eventually will work out. And sometimes you got to go through the trenches and you got to walk through the shit 
but if you can kind of keep moving forward, trying to stay as positive as possible, because, you know, eventually you can't always be positive. Let's face it. We can't, but there is a path and you're always on the path that you need to be on. It just sometimes turns out different than you imagine. I can't like so many times Brandon and I have been like, this is not what we thought we'd be doing. Like, <laughs> it's not like this is not yeah. what we planned and but it's worked out even better and uh, you know and so sometimes it's kind of like that silly little cliche saying trust the process eventually it works out and then guess what it'll probably change again in yep. six months a year <laughs> you don't even know but it eventually you know it always kind of works out and eventually always leads to kind of where you need to be in your space that's how I got into coaching honestly like I was going on a completely different path and fell, not fell into it, but decided I didn't like that path and jumped and it's been challenging and hard. And, but here I am and awesome and amazing. And I've kind of trusted the ups and downs and you roll with it. But um, yeah, I like hearing that you're happy. Makes me happy. I am happy. So how are you doing? Oh, good today. Let's see where you started last week was a recovery week for me. Ended up being a really big recovery week. Like normally we don't quite do as much of like a recovery slash rejuvenation type week as we did. Like I had a huge decrease in volume and, and kind of honestly felt like shit the whole week. Um, just complete garbage. Like couldn't turn things around. I was unmotivated. I didn't want to do it. I was sluggish and slow and felt like garbage. Um, and it became, was more than a more than normal because we had to take a, a little bit of a forced rest off of the bike because I had some pretty horrible saddle sores that I had to take care of. Um, it was a good reminder. So basically, what happened is I let my bike saddle go too long. Um, it was bothering me and bothering me and bothering me, and I kept saying, "This is bothering me. I should fix it." Well, I didn't fix it, and it ended up like I don't know what was going on with it, but it was like I, I put a level on it. And the level was like this, like you can't see my hand people, but it's, <laughs> it was not, like it was not level. Angle. It was really angled and it was loose and I don't know, things just were not working. And I created pretty horrible saddle sores. I got a new saddle, which seems to be a lot better, but I had to let those heal. We are back to, to normal training this week. I have about a 22 hour week. Um, today went a little bit sideways in that I drove out to go do my four hour ride Got, got out there, got six miles into it, got a flat that I couldn't fix and I had to call Brandon to come rescue me because I was six miles away from my car in the middle of nowhere and was going to have to walk back in the hundred degree. That wasn't going to work. It was going to take me forever to, to walk back slash ride my rim of my tire, my wheel. So he rescued me. I came home, put my bike on the trainer did the portion of the trainer ride on the trainer, the intervals on the trainer, and then hopped onto my road bike and finished my four hours out on the bike. So it was an interesting day, but here we are. Um, and that's how it goes sometimes. And that's how it goes. It resulted in me having to miss my swim um, because I have to move it to tomorrow because I ran out of time to get it in because I had to pick up the kids to take them to swim lessons. And then now I'm here and I just don't have time for the rest of the day. That is part of... The joys of my life is that sometimes if you don't get things done in the time frame that I don't have unlimited time in my day, but a lot of us don't, right? Most of us don't have unlimited time and sometimes you have to move things 
and miss things. And I had to prioritize. I said the bike was more important. I could have cut the bike short to get the swim in, but the bike was more important today than the swim. So I have more time tomorrow. I'll get the swim in. It's not a big deal. It's just the way that it is. Starting a big week. I'm excited about it. Hoping that everything kind of turns around and that I can get my runs done in the morning so I don't have to do them when it's 100 degrees out. They just don't go as well. <laughs> Yep, Phoenix has decided it's finally time to flip its switch, and we're getting into those high 100s now, like 110, yeah. I think, I see on the forecast now. We got lucky. June, The beginning of June was very mellow for us. Super mellow. Like, probably 10 degrees cool would be my assumption in that range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was super mellow. How are you feeling about race day? Coeur coming up. We talked a little bit about it last week with our nutrition talk, but how are you feeling? I'm excited. Um, You're in Spokane my, right now. I am in Spokane just with the way, because I started a new job on Monday or last Monday, I didn't want to ask for any time off. And there, the flights, direct flights from Phoenix to Spokane are very limited. And I had already this bought a, a flight. <laughs> yeah, I had already bought a flight on American before I had gotten this job. So I was kind of stuck taking a 1038 flight no matter what day. I flew, um, but I had Monday off for Juneteenth, so I just came down on Monday and have been staying in Spokane until my parents get here late tonight, so we'll leave for Coeur d'Alene tomorrow. Perfect. You're going to love Coeur d'Alene. I know you've never been there, but it's a cute little town right on the right on the lake. you got the kind of the mountains in the distance, the hills. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a wonderful race. For those of you that have never done it, it's one of my absolute favorites. Challenging, but really amazing the town the support that comes out for that race is just just unbelievable so it's yeah it's one yeah. of my last days i have fomo already and it's not even here yet i'm excited all memory of the pain and iron man puts you in is seems to be completely gone because <laughs> i'm not thinking about that at all it's good <laughs> just excited to go out and race um definitely Excited that I still have three more days until the race. My legs still feel a little tired. So taking the next three days, um, my workouts definitely look a lot lighter in recovery, taper workouts the next three days. Not that they haven't been, um, but just take another three days to let the legs fully recover. Um, and I'm excited yeah. and ready to go. I think it's important to also know that it's very rare that people actually feel good during taper week. Um Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, you lower your volume, you usually lower your intensity, maybe you've got some travel involved, your mindset is usually very race-oriented. and You fall off a bird scooter. Yes, you fall off a bird scooter. <laughs> As your coach, <laughs> I rolled my eyes when you texted me that. <laughs> yes, Aaron was smart and fell off a bird scooter. Um but it's okay to feel that way, I think, is really important. Yeah. And, and it's it's pretty natural, and it usually doesn't mean that you are losing fitness. It doesn't necess- It doesn't mean that you're gonna have a bad race. It doesn't. It doesn't mean. It really doesn't mean a lot of things. And you know, there are a couple of things that you can do is you can really look at it two ways: is do I need a little bit more rest and recovery, and just focus on mobility and activation, or do I need? just a little bit more volume to kind of get a quick boost into my system. And so you kind of have to ask yourself that and really look at it from that standpoint. Um, 
the more than often it's it's a little bit of mobility and activation can be really really powerful for kind of turning turning that around and then you know reminding yourself of the taper feels and again like we briefly chatted about trusting the process in life right at the beginning of this but kind of trusting the process in the taper too and getting your mind right getting excited focusing on what you need from a mindset standpoint in order to get yourself ready and a lot of times that those those feels kind of start to pop up because we start to really think about the pressure of the race and, and the, maybe that starts to put a little bit of anxiety within to our, our system and it's really important to remember that pressure are two things pressure is perception and pressure is privilege and i love both of those thought processes because Pressure really is perception. You get to choose how you want to respond to the pressure that you're putting on yourself. You can look at it as, I'm not ready, I can't do this. Or you can look at it as, this is a privilege. I get to do this, I choose to do this. I'm excited to do this. This this pressure is me priming my body to be ready to do this. And that, you know, kind of really, you know, can be more motivating, more powerful than sitting there going, oh, I don't think I can do it. And so really tapering is really about kind of managing those expectations within yourself and, and allowing yourself to be really present within the space that you're in um, and really focusing on getting yourself ready from a mindset standpoint for the race more than anything, even, a, you know, a um, physical standpoint. Um, yeah. So with that, what do you feel for you is the number one thing that you need to focus on for the next couple of days to get your mind right. I don't know why, but with triathlon, I just, when it comes to race stuff, I just haven't freaked out very much. Um, I think that's probably years and years and years of experience with swimming um, and knowing that I do do this for fun. This is fully my fun thing right now. Um, And I just go into each race with such a sense of gratitude that I get to do this and my body allows me to do this. Um, And I think having that gratitude, even when things go wrong, like when I got a flat tire in Kona, it was like, you know what? I'm still racing in Kona. I still get to be in Hawaii right now. That's a place that a ton of people never even get to go. And I get to be here racing an Ironman doing what I love. Um, So just keep reminding myself the next few days of all the things that I'm grateful for in this sport and the lessons that this sport has taught me. That's a beautiful way to stay really present too within sure. everything that you're doing, which is awesome. So Yeah, it's also helped with a lot of just like anxiety in my life. Like I try and say like one or two things each day that I'm grateful for, and it's definitely significantly reduced my amount of daily anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's, I think that gratitude or Saying gratitude or things that you're thankful for or that you're proud of, too, like kind of thing, like taking it along that standpoint, like celebrating you every day and is one of the most powerful things that you can do for you. It's like the most powerful self-care because it really sets that intention of, yeah, there are, I am still great. I am great. Like that's, you know, something that you have to remind yourself of. And 
oftentimes more than anything, like we always end up going the negative direction, right? That's our first reaction is, oh, the day sucked. I had all, all this XXY and who knows, you know, all work was long and that email made me mad or whatever. Um, when we can take a quick second and say three things that were good or that we can celebrate or that we're like you said, gratitude or thankful for, um, it's really powerful. That's, um, was the number one thing that I contribute to, like when I had my miscarriage come quote unquote, coming out of it. I don't even know if that's the right word, but surviving it, <laughs> um, was gratitude. I literally did that every single day and I swear it was the magic trick to me, not like spiraling into a deep, dark hole of sadness and staying present with Skylar at the time because he was really young, staying present with myself and then wanting to get pregnant again was that was all I focused on for like three weeks was gratitude and something that I was proud of every single day. And to me, it was one thing I contribute to not having to go to therapy for it um, for me. Um, And so I think it's, yeah, I think it's a powerful thing not that everybody should do on a more regular basis. Yeah. It's definitely helped me appreciate life in general more and everything that I get to do and just looking at everything as an opportunity instead of a chore. Which is a great way to look at it. Awesome. Um, Okay. We had a couple of questions um, today and they kind of had to do with some of the stuff that we just started kind of talking about a little bit. Um, But um, actually one of Aaron's athletes, Kimberly, yes, Kim, um, asked, she had questions, she just wanted to know how we attack the mental side of races like a full distance Ironman. And I think this is great um, because obviously Aaron has a full Ironman coming up here in five, four days, five, three days, whatever the countdown is. Um, I have one coming up in about, so I think this is a great way. So mental side of races like an Ironman. Ironman really is it really is um and so let's hear we'll just go start Aaron since you've got race coming up here good time to chat about it anyways what are your number one things you focus on what are your tricks where do you go what do you what do you think so I think the biggest difference in my mindset between like let's say an Olympic distance and an Ironman distance race is that when I'm doing an Olympic distance, I have way more of just a race mindset and a competitive mindset. Whereas in the Ironman distance, I really have to focus on myself and my execution more than I do the race. Um, So with that being said, I set execution goals for myself, one that helped me keep it in the moment and two, help prevent me from blowing up. Um, Yeah. So on the, I mean, for me, the swims just get in and swim usually um and then (laughs) I wish that's how I did the swim (laughs) (laughs) um and then just on the bike like specifically going into Coeur d'Alene I really want to focus on kind of increasing my watts as I go not hugely like I want Mm -hmm. to start at a number and only increase it by 10-ish 15-ish watts by the end of it so not a huge build but a little bit um and then really focus on nutrition. I like to break the bike up 
into like segments like the first 40 miles are kind of just like wahoo and <laughs> I don't know why I do that and then once I get through 60 um 40 to 60 is kind of where I struggle the most so that's where I just know I have to stay really focused and not let myself zone out and then after 60 I'm like okay I'm over halfway through the bike we're good now um and really get to 40 get in the zone you will at Coeur d'Alene you'll be very 40 to 60 is where all the dynamics are at Coeur d'Alene because that's where all the hills are a lot of for the most okay. part. So I'll stay so engaged. You'll stay very engaged um, <laughs> in that race um, because you'll have to because you're either going up or you're going down for the most part. Nice. Um, and then the run, I think a big focus of the season for me has now been on like executing my runs well and not blowing up. Um so really just focusing on this lap. This race is a three lap course. So I want to descend each lap. Um, as Kayla says a lot, Iron Man is a lot about who slows down the least. My um, favorite saying. So, <laughs> One of them. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the goal on the run course. Um, in terms of self-talk, it's a lot of just like, let's fucking go. You got this. Um I don't know. Think of all the workouts when it's starting to hurt. Think of all the workouts that I've done that have hurt that I've got through. Um, and yeah. just when I'm really, really struggling, just feed off the crowd's energy. Um, Which is a great. Way. Can it's be a lot awesome. It can be a lot of fun, especially well, at Coeur d'Alene, you'll really be able to do that. A lot of these races you can too, but with the three loop course at Coeur d'Alene, you definitely can, can do that. Yeah. I think those are really great points. And I like how you really broke it into three different, pieces because that's one thing about triathlon is one of the main things that I always see with athletes in um, whether I'm coaching them or working with them on the mental performance side of things is they like to they, they they forget to break it into pieces and they just think about it as an entire race and it is an entire race but it's also three different opportunities to have your best day and when you think about it from that angle that's a really powerful way to think about it because you can then really break it into so many different pieces. I mean, I can't tell you how many races I've gotten out of the water and I was like, well, that was shit. Like, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's go ride our bike and see how fast we can go. <laughs> oh, well, that didn't go as well as I planned. Let's now run as fast as we can. Like you have to be able to leave each one behind. So I think that's like one of the most powerful things that you can focus on from a mental side of things is taking it as its own separate entity. And then once you're done, you're done. And I think one of the things that can really help you do that is having those like process goals and feeling goals throughout the race yes. and knowing before you start how you want to feel during each portion of the race. So I actually just made a post on my Instagram how the biggest thing is when I cross the finish line, I want to feel proud of myself. So how I know I'm going to feel that way is just not giving up on myself, not letting myself go into a really, really dark hole, Um, just sticking to the way I want to execute the race. And as long as I'm out there doing the best that I can, um, even if it may not be what I want it to be, who knows, um, I know I'll cross the finish line proud and that's why I do these is just to make myself proud. 100%. That's one of the best ways that you can do exactly what you said is ensure that when you do cross the finish line, you got what you needed out of the day. Because a lot of times when we focus way too much on that outcome goal, 
we lose track of the fact that there can still be, again, we, we talked about kind of the idea of like gratitude or thankfulness or proud or celebrations um, earlier, like a few minutes ago. And it's the same kind of concept. So when you're creating your race plan, you want to start from that angle. When I cross the finish line, what do I want? How do I want to feel? Not necessarily what do I want to achieve from an, a, an outcome standpoint, an extrinsic standpoint, because a lot of times the only way that you can actually achieve that is to feel a certain way throughout the entire day. And then you do exactly what you just said. And you said, okay, I want to feel this way. So what do I need to do in the run to feel that way? What do I need to do in the bike? What do I need to do in the swim? What actions do I need to put into place in order to achieve this? And then it's those actions that help bring you back to present throughout the race. So when you start to feel like shit or you start to talk negative or you start to say bad things to yourself or you can't do it or your self-talk goes down, down the tube, take a deep breath, acknowledge that you're saying it, bad things to yourself, and then you bring yourself back to present by grounding yourself in the actions that you need to do in order to achieve the goal that you're trying to achieve. Very powerful way of keeping yourself grounded, which then helps to keep the negative emotions at bay. That's that's how I, I mean, that's how I create my race plans. They're all based on what do I need to do in each separate entity of the race in order to overall achieve what I want, not necessarily even from an outcome standpoint, but from like you said, a performance or a process effort standpoint how you can really get yourself out of dark spaces too and I know for you like at Kona is a really great example that's one of the things that kept you in the race you got a flat tire lost a lot a bunch of time but it still kept you you still stayed really present within the day because you did exactly what you said earlier you focused on gratitude and just saying okay this is what happened but then you said okay well Here's what I need to do to execute instead of spiraling out of control. Yeah. Like I knew I wasn't going to be proud of myself if I just gave up there, then and there when I got the flat tire. And by giving up, I mean just like walking all of the run and just getting to the finish line. Getting to the finish line for me at this point is not necessarily an accomplishment. It's how I get to the finish line. Um, Mm -hmm. and in that race, it meant still giving it what I had left to give that day. Um, and I mean, I was able to reset a time goal in my head. I knew I was not going to get my original time goal at that point. Um, but I realized I was like, okay, if I run a sub four marathon, which is something I knew I was capable of, even though my previous Ironman marathon time was like 432 or something, um, but I knew I was capable of running sub four. And if I ran sub four, I was going to be sub 11. And I made that my goal for the rest of the race and kind of just focused on doing that. Um, and I think the ability to kind of reset those, um, like qualitative goals, quantitative, quantitative goals, quantitative. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. as you go, it can be helpful too, because like most triathletes love the data and love the numbers. Um, so if you can do that too, that's helpful. Yes. But what you'll find and what I'm definitely finding one as I coach and two, as I've ex- like gone through the ranks and triathlon, you don't need the numbers in order to have the best day that you can have. 
Lionel Sanders at Boulder, only thing he had on there was distance and speed. He recorded the information so he could look at it later. I didn't use it. Lucy Charles at the PTO, uh, PTO European Open didn't even, I don't even think she said, she, I, don't think, I don't even think she recorded her power. You don't always have to use it. And I think that's powerful and important because you have to learn how to race yourself. Not even race other people, but like focus on you. And like you said, be able to adapt and be able to change and be able to focus on what I like to call micro. That's why I think setting micro goals is so important for every race, every training session too sometimes. And micro goals are basically little goals, hence the name micro, um, that make up your bigger goal that allow you to check something off and say, okay, I did accomplish that. So we had an athlete, um, Mel, who raced um, at Boulder, and she kind of had like an overarching goal um, that she wanted to achieve, right? She had her high, her outcome goal that she was trying to achieve. And, but when we talked about it, we said, okay, well, we want, I want you setting more on these specific micro goals for each discipline, small little goals that you can really focus on. And what that'll, and so at the end of the day, she ended up not hitting her outcome goal due to a mechanical error. Um, mechanical, she had a, a drop chain on, on the bike, which caused her to miss a couple of her overall goals. But she hit a ton of micro goals throughout the day. And she left so proud of the day because she accomplished all these little pieces. So instead of being really upset and frustrated that she didn't get the overarching goal and um, of, you know, hitting a sub three hour on the bike and, and then more importantly, a, a kind of a time goal that she had, but she was so proud. And it's because she set these little goals and was able to kind of like you and Kona adapt and adjust and re reapply her focus to these little goals. Um, and so I think that's, you know, a powerful way to kind of help yourself stay present in an Ironman as well. It's a long day. Yeah. And I it's think a long day. going back to the data a little bit, I will say the difference between professionals and amateurs is professionals know their bodies a lot better. Like I've been doing this for two years now and I still don't really know my paces like 830 feels like 915 sometimes and 160 feels like 190 sometimes wattage wise um so I think just knowing yourself if the data is going to be helpful in that moment or not because there's times mm -hmm. where I do not use data at all I hardly use speed on my bike anymore because it messes me up yeah. um yeah just because it's so dependent on the course I've learned um and I've set many bike goals I have not hit because the course has just been harder. Um, mm -hmm. So if I can ignore speed, or the, that's con or the conditions, right? Yeah. The conditions Texas. play a part. Yeah. <laughs> right. Million hour, mile an hour wins. Uh -huh. I think the biggest point of that, that, that one, I try to impress on athletes um, and, and why I use that as an example is because more often than not, as you're trying to grow within, and it's like, this is something I've been working with you on is, and try not to actually focus on the data, but actually learn. Like you can't learn how your body reacts or how it feels unless you kind of ignore the data a little bit. 
um, and not get really obsessed with it. And that's kind of why that example can be really powerful because a lot of times people think, well, like often as I'll say that to age group, age group athletes and or athletes that I coach and they'll go, Oh really? Like why? I was like, well, because they've learned, right? Exactly what you said. They've learned how their body responds or what racing means to them or what this effort feels like. Um, and, you know, I think I personally think I was listening to an interview with Kat Matthews um, today and she said something. She's like, I think that, that RPE is greatly misunderutilized. I was like, Woo, hallelujah. Somebody agrees with me <laughs> um, because it is RPE is so powerful. And because when you focus on an RPE, so for those of you that um, don't, don't, that aren't, aren't sure what I'm talking about, RPE is basically perceived effort and perceived effort is usually on a zero to 10 scale, zero, meaning you're sitting on the couch doing absolutely nothing. 10 being you're going to vomit and die. And it's kind of like that range. And it can be that, that, that scale can be correlated to wattage. It can be correlated to um, heart rate. It can be correlated to effort, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so like a, a, a tempo effort is usually a 80% of your threshold, give or take, in both watts and pace, which is approximately an RPE of eight, a perceived effort of eight. Um, and I think it's important to learn that that perceived effort can be different on every day. And as long as you're still focusing on that effort, you're actually getting the adaptation in that you need. And that's really important. And she, that's kind of what she was saying as well. She's like, I was doing a tempo run the other day or a tempo session on the bike. And I was supposed to be at kind of an RPE of eight and that RPE hitting RPE of eight my watts were like 20 watts less than I was anticipating they should be. But I like, I didn't even, I stopped worrying about that and just said, okay, well, I got to stick to this effort. And if that's what the watts are, that's what the watts are. And so that's kind of like the point is just really learning you yeah. and um, trusting yourself a little bit, I think is key. We don't do enough yeah. of it in our lives and you have gotten no, a lot better at it. I have, especially in training and racing. Like I learned at Oceanside, my first five miles, the RP felt low. Like I would have said I was at a five, but I was not. But it was really high because of that. Um, so that is why I will still use data for a little bit while I run, especially at the Ironman distance, because uh, oh, yeah. I'm not trying to blow up. And that's a that's a experience standpoint too. Like kind of what yeah. you, were get, you were getting at that I think is important and, and that focus on execution yeah. because it, especially if you're maybe newer to the sport, um, you really have to focus on, you know, there's a, there's a reason why like the professionals can go out at race pace and they can hold race pace. Well, they've been doing it forever. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what they, their job. They do it that way. Um, but as you're learning, you have to learn kind of how to execute and you know for you using you as a good example when you went out that hard you basically burned through all of your glycogen so fast that you blew up and had nothing left well that means we have to focus on okay Aaron has to focus on control at the beginning so maybe that means her RPE actually really does need to be five at the beginning and then you start moving through it 
Yeah. That's, and that's why I think what you said earlier is really powerful about the idea of like focusing on ex- execution. That's what you do in, in, yeah. in an Ironman race. Cause it, it, that, especially in an Ironman, even more than a 70.3, if you go out to outside of your zone, you will deplete your glycogen levels so quickly that you cannot replenish. And then, yeah, that's when you blow up and want to, you end up walking or having a really rough time. None of that for Ironman Coeur for Aaron over here. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay. So we did have another question that I think is really great actually, because, um, well, I know I've experienced it and I know Aaron, you 100% have. It's one of the reasons you've gotten to triathlon a little bit. Um, but it's coming back from burnout and finding a new spark for the sport or a new distance or just kind of finding a re love of that. And I think this is great because, um, for those of you that don't know, remember, know or haven't heard Aaron before, heard this to us before, Aaron was a competitive swimmer for ever. Kind of got burnt out on the sport for a lot of reasons and then found triathlon. So walk us through kind of what you did to help yourself find a new spark. Maybe not even necessarily moving from swimming to triathlon, but just a new spark in it all. Um, and how... You went from maybe struggling with the fact that you're burnt out of swimming to finding new passion within. Yeah, I'll give a little background first. Um, swam since I was six, quit soccer for, to just do swimming when I was 12 or 13. Um, was really good at swimming when I was about 15. Thought I was on path to try, qualify for Olympic trials and stuff. I had qualified for nationals at that point. So I was feeling really good about it. I had three years to drop 2.1 seconds in a 200, which I had just dropped like 10 seconds that season to get to that point. So I was feeling really good about yeah. it. Um, <laughs> got really sick my sophomore year of high school. Um, had to have sinus surgery. Still have some chronic bronchitis stuff from that. Um, then I was starting to get back to my times and then my hip started hurting and I ended up having to have two hip surgeries uh, going into college and college swimming was not what I thought it would be. Um, could never get back to the times I was at and just couldn't figure out kind of my reason for doing the sport anymore. Um, I lost that, like you said, lost that spark. That why? Yeah, and I would never admit to myself that I was burnt out or that I didn't love the sport anymore. But I did not love the sport. Yeah, at that point in time, um, I went into college thinking I'd be all conference and be scoring in the A final, and I think I scored maybe four points total my whole time at UOP. Um, so that sucked. But mm-hmm. I think my senior year. Especially, I switched distances, which is something you can do in triathlon. Mm-hmm. You can compete in different yes. distances than you're used to. Um, and that was a lot of fun because I didn't feel the same amount of pressure as I did. Um, I went from longer to shorter, so it was way more about racing, and I am a competitive person. So being able to race was great. Um, then swimming was over took a year of doing nothing and hated doing nothing too. I like training for something um, and got into triathlon. And for me, triathlon has been a lot about 
finding balance. Um, when I look back on my swim career, especially those years in high school where I got really sick and had two hip surgeries, I refused to miss a swim practice. Like even if I was like had a fever, I'd go to swim practice and make my coach send me home. Um, I would not miss swim practice for family vacation, like just refused to miss it. Um, wouldn't, I mean, it's illegal anyway, but wouldn't drink alcohol in high school because I was scared I would gain 0.01 and would blame it on that. Um, so really my whole life was swimming and that was the only thing that mattered to me. Um, and I can look back and I got to college and I started to realize how unhealthy that was. Um, and that I needed to find balance and I did better at it in college, but I couldn't find my love for the sport at the same level, but through triathlon, it's really for me about finding balance and like, yeah, triathlon's important to me, but if I miss a workout now and then to go on a weekend trip or to go do like a date or something, like it's not the end of the world. And you will be okay. Yeah. And I'm not a worse triathlete or less of a hard worker because I did that. That's what I need to ha- love this sport and have longevity in this sport um, yep. and kind of prevent burnout. I'm kind of understanding. I think the key piece that you just touched on through that story was learning what you need. Yes. And making that the priority. Because, you know, I will be one of the first people to say that I, I think balance is bullshit. I don't think you can have balance. But what I do believe very strongly in is that you can choose the priorities that you need as a person to stay healthy, happy, fulfilled, and have joy. And that's what you're doing. You're choosing priorities that fulfill you and understanding that there is grace within those priorities and giving yourself grace for you. And that allows you to dip your toes into the things that you need as a person, not putting yourself in one box and saying, I I can only be an athlete. That's the only thing I can do, but I can be an athlete. I can be a coach. I can be a daughter, a girlfriend, a friend. I can be these things and I can be good at all of them in the way that I need to be good at them. And that's kind of what you've learned over the years. Yeah. And I think we mentioned it in a previous episode, but kind of, you mentioned priorities and just knowing when's a time to prioritize something over yes. something else. Like my Agreed. priorities have been very Ironman heavy for the last couple of months because I'm racing this weekend. But when I get back, I have a DJ pool party scheduled for Sunday, uh, like a week yeah. from after the race. And I'm super excited for that. Um, and I actually, I'm going to be traveling a lot for work, which I'm a little stressed about, but that's life and it will be okay. <laughs> It'll be okay because we can make the world fit into what you need in order to be. Yeah. In. And I think that's the key to burnout is just like, it's okay. Your life does not have to look like anybody else's. Correct. You just got to do what works for you. So if getting back into the sport means you're doing one workout of each sport a week great Mm -hmm. like everybody's different and if that's what you need to still enjoy the sport like doing one workout a week yeah you might not you might not go best time maybe you will I don't know but yeah um, it's doable and if that's what works for you and keeps you happy in the sport like most of us are not out here making money so as long as we're happy doing it it doesn't matter 
Yeah. I think, I think that's powerful because it's so true. Um, yeah. The number one question that I get like on, in my DMS on Instagram is how do you balance it all? <laughs> I don't my guys. I don't balance anything. My life is a disaster. It is a mess. I, I don't balance things, but I choose my priorities and I make those the things that I focus on. And my, I cannot necessarily give you advice on how to balance your life because you are going to have different priorities than I am. Triathlon is a huge priority for me. I choose triathlon over a lot of things. That's my life. That makes me happy. To me, that's balance, right? So balance means something different for everybody. And, you know, I think that's just something you have to really focus on. Um, and, you know, coming back from burnout is, is trying to like refine that joy in something. I think I like how you touched on the fact, like in swimming, you switch distances and that kind of helped. I mean, if you're we're talking triathlon, you can try something fun. That's what I always encourage athletes to do. If we're, if we need to kind of like reinvigorate the spark, we do, we try something fun. We do a sprint try. We do an Olympic. We, or maybe that's what you're doing and you need to try an Ironman. I don't know. You, you know, or we do aquathon, a, do aquathon, aquathon, go do master aquathon. swimming, exactly. like something else. Yes. Try, we try something else. We, we adjust your set. Like, you know, one of the things, you know, I, I had an athlete that she joined with me a little over a year ago and she came to me cause she was, She's like, I don't love triathlon anymore. I'm, I'm burnt out. I'm exhausted. I'm getting slower. And I actually deloaded her. I mean, this was hard. She didn't want to do it. But I took her from doing like 15 hours a week to like seven. And I was like, we need to, quote unquote, reprioritize. Right? And we need to deload your system, deload your nervous system, and allow you to do some of these other things. I told I said, go mountain biking skiing on the weekends. Let's make room for that. And it allowed her to refine kind of that joy. And now we're back up to training 12 to 15 hours a week and she's loving it and choosing to do that. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think that's really key is don't be afraid to try new things to refine that, that spark, you know, go gravel biking, shoot. And, and also, you know, mountain biking, Trail running, hiking, I don't know. Just try all sorts of new things. Movement is movement. And you never know what kind of like amazing love you're going to find when you try that. Um, and I know for me, like as, as a coach working with athletes, I'd rather work with you to refine that love. So like, you know, sometimes I'll tell athletes if we're having kind of like a downtime, I'll be like, okay, let's do option days. You want, well, let's keep you moving. Let's do options. I'm going to put in options for you. I'm going to give you a run session and a bike session and you choose which one you want to do on that day. That way you have some freedom. Like we create ways to move, create freedom. Do a flex day so that you can move it and you can do whatever you want. I don't, you know, work, you know, work with the people that, you know, kind of can help you with that. But it's usually when you can take and also taking seasons, right? Like you, for you, like this is a good point. Like, Right, we've had a really big focus. And then we're going to take a whole week off, no training. And then we're going to take a week easy to get you moving because that's important. Well, we'll and have to talk we about that because the last two weeks of July are a mess for me. 
So we might well, want to do but, stuff that side. But we'll, we'll yes. focus on that when that comes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Even then, like, where you can have the space, create your season so that you can take some of these breaks because it is a yes. long season. And then yeah. in the postseason, like you've talked about this before, in the postseason, stay stay consistent, stay moving, but create space for skiing, mountain biking, different types of trail running. I don't know anything like I said, anything one that helps to helps to prevent burnout. Yeah, and your season doesn't have to be from the first Ironman race of the year to the last no, Ironman race of the year. It doesn't have to. Like, if I qualify for Kona this year, Kona will be 90% sure my last race of the season because I was mentally done after Kona. And I think pushing myself another month just was a little too much. Like, I think mm-hmm. I needed to do it at the time. Like, I'm not, I don't regret that I did it at all. But I yeah. also know now that I will probably be done after Kona this year. And that's okay. I don't feel like I need to go through Indian Wells. Like, nope. that would be too long of a season for me. So Yeah, because that puts you from April to – it's long. That's a long season. And not everybody wants to do that or can do that. Um, and you see that with a lot of a lot of athletes. You know, I you know, you know October is still a long ways away. So it's, it's really – yeah, learn again. I think that's an important piece that you just touched on too. Is you just learn from experience too on what works for you. Like I like to race late into the season, but not everybody can, and that's okay. So, yeah, I think I think those are some great tips that hopefully everybody can relate to. I think we've all been been there with burnout. I mean, I have in different ways. Why I didn't move from, I didn't go. That's why I didn't go to. Um, why I didn't do track immediately when I went into college because I was burnt out. I was one, one last thing I'll say about burnout is there's no set time to come back from it. Agreed. Like, take as much time as you need to find your love for it again and don't give yourself a deadline. Like I have to be back fully training by this date. Just yep. let it come. Let it come naturally. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, allow yourself that space to take what you need from whatever type of, you know, whether that is a break or whether that's chatting with your coach and doing option days or lowering volume or changing distances or taking a complete break. You know, those are all okay. We're allowed to take them. It's important. Yeah, I think that was a really good point. I'm glad you said that because that's a, it's just so important. And that's, yeah. That's a whole giving yourself grace and allowing yourself to not always feel like, I think a lot of times we get caught in this concept is that we have to come back. And like, this was something that like after having kids, it was always like, Oh, you're come back. Well, no, not coming back. One, I'm a different person. I'm not the same person I was before I had kids. Each time each person changed me. I'm not the same person I was when I got hit by the, cars I changed I not the same person not a comeback not even a return it's just me in that space that I'm at and allowing yourself to be that new person in whatever kind of capacity that looks like when you allow that and not focus on it from a comeback standpoint it allows you to really have a lot of grace for yourself Awesome. Well, those are some good topics. Um, we can probably, we'll probably close her off here, but 
we're going to wish Aaron really good luck this weekend. She's going to crush it. We've got a couple other athletes on the way. If you take you team racing there this weekend, um, Julia and Danielle. So wishing them good luck as well. And um, any other athlete racing this week, there's a lot of racing going on across the world. Big races this weekend. Um, it is a big race weekend. Challenge Rock is, is this weekend, right? Yes. That's exciting. That race looks cool. Yes, it does. That's a bucket list one for sure. Same, same. I was like watching the the PTO YouTube video that's up, like watching them. Like it's almost like the Tour de France. Like it's just the line of people that you just bike up in that main hill, and it's just so cool. The, you can just feel the electricity. It just looks awesome. Yeah, so it'll be fun to watch. I think that one's on Saturday, and there's Mont Tremblant seventy point three. Um, yep. and then there's other races. So, um, part of me wishes that Mia wishes I was racing in Montremblant, but it's good to not quite ready. So be good for another, another month before I race. I will be very ready by then. And you'll be in Montremblant in a couple months, correct? Yes. Yeah. So racing there at the end of August. Yeah. I'm excited for that one. It's a bucket list one. Um, I know your mom raced there. Um, and you yep. said it was beautiful. That's where I decided that I really wanted to do on Sunday. Yeah. I, that's what I've heard. Like, it's just this atmosphere and it's where a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I need to do that. I need to do this. I need to do Ironman. I need to do triathlon yeah. because this is so cool. So cool. Um, so I'm excited for it. It'll be hard. I'll be the first time. It's just Brandon and I going. So it'll be the first time. So I've left the kids. I don't do it very often, but I have left the kids, but I've always left them with Brandon. We're leaving them with grandma and grandpa, grandma and papa. And I'm already a little unsure about it. I've never not left them with a parent. So that will be very hard. Brandon's already like, are you going to spend the entire trip being like, I miss the kids. I miss the kids. And it's like, yes, <laughs> yes, I'm going to. <laughs> You're going to have to deal with that. I'm going to cry. I'm going to miss them. <laughs> And I'm going to say it to you a thousand times, so <laughs> be okay with it. <laughs> but it'll be good. Um, it's just a long, it's a really expensive trip. Um, and we'd have to buy, Baylor no longer will be free to fly because he'll be over two. We'd have to buy four planes. It would literally probably cost us three to four grand for all of us to fly to Montreal. And that's a lot of money that we just can't spend. Yeah. So they're staying with Grandma and Papa, which will be good. I don't know. They'll probably, they'll probably act better for them than they do us. So maybe Grandma and Papa will get them to sleep in their own beds. I don't know. <laughs> so, but awesome. All right. Well, good luck, Aaron. Thanks, everybody. And, again, if you have any questions for us, um, you can send us www.whereyoufeetakeyou.com slash podcast. Um, next week we'll do a race review. So Erin will get to debrief her race for us. And I know it's going to have a good result because I believe in Erin. Erin believes in herself. So (laughs) yeah. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Bye everybody.